Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Business of Fun podcast. Today's episode is me. I am going to record an audio version of my post-pandemic pricing presentation that I gave at the National Sports Forum about two weeks ago. Uh, as a part of this, I'm going to also be doing a question and answer session later. So if you have questions uh, either now or after you listen to the episode, send it to me at daviddavewakeman.com with your questions. I will answer them in podcast form. I'm going to try to do that later this week. So get those questions in. Uh, make sure you check out my newsletter. It's called Talking Tickets. Uh, you can get that by sending me an email at daviddavewakeman.com. It's five stories from the world of tickets each week. Analysis, action items, the whole deal. There's also a strategy one. If you want newsletters, just send me an email, daviddavewakeman.com. A lot of times I send people uh, on those lists the fir- access to the first things, uh, you know, a new presentation, little uh, ebooks, all kinds of crazy, crazy stuff. So uh, send me a note, daviddavewakeman.com. Uh, check out my partners, Booking Protect, www.bookingprotect.com. Uh, we are going to probably do a webinar version of this in the next couple weeks, but check them out, see what they're doing. As Simon told me recently, um, uptake on refund protection has, has almost doubled since tickets have started to go on sale as we've been working through the pandemic. That tells me that people are looking for peace of mind and a little security in their purchases. So check them out, bookingprotect.com. Also, big news uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks between me and ActivityStream. Uh, that we're going to do some fun stuff in the fall. So make sure you uh, connect with us now. Check them out, activitystream.com. Also, if you haven't had a chance to listen to the podcast I did with Kate Howard, the Chief Commercial Officer of Intellect, check it out. Uh, she's great. We talk about data and we talk about uh, doing market research. I partnered with Intellect to create a worksheet so you can find out your net promoter score. You can do research on it. You can interpret it. Uh, you can figure it out. Aventilex is an amazing 77. Uh, the one I got for talking tickets is an, very good, but not nearly 77. It's 67. Um, you know, it's a, send me an email, daviddavewakeman.com, and get me uh, get that worksheet that we pulled together. It's great. It's simple to use. It puts it in context. Uh, the Aventilex 77, to put it in context, is up there with like Starbucks or Tesla things that people rave about if they own them or reuse them. Okay, so check that out. Send me the email, daviddavewakeman.com. I will get you a copy of the workbook. Today, though, I am going to talk about pricing, and I am going to run through my pricing session that I did for the National Sports Forum. I've Every time I do it, I end up updating it, so this is going to be cool. Uh, so every time you get it, I, work, I deal with your questions, your feedback, all the things you tell me so that I can give you a even better presentation than I did the last time. So this one probably be different than the one you heard or saw at the National Sports Forum, which is great. Uh, but again, send me your questions, your thoughts or your ideas, daviddavewakeman.com. And without anything else, I'm going to get to the presentation. Hey, so it's me, Dave Wakeman. This is my presentation on post-pandemic pricing. If you don't, if you're just hearing me now, you can find me on my website. It's DaveWakeman.com. It's under construction currently, but you can also email me, Dave at DaveWakeman.com. Uh, let me know what you think or if you have any questions on this thing. But pricing, to me, has been this thing I've been ended up studying over the last several years, and what I've discovered is that price says a lot to me. 
first off, Price is marketing's MVP moment. It's maybe one of the two or three most decision, important decisions you're going to make as a marketer or in a business. And that's because of this idea of value. Because the price is the point in the relationship you developed with your market where you are able to capture some of the value that you have created. It's also, to me, accumulation of the work and a proxy for how well you are doing as a marketing organization. If you follow a systemizing, a thoughtful process of marketing, then you understand that you put strategy before tactics. And so price comes out of market research, segmenting the market, effective targeting, and positioning your product, which leads into creating funnels and smart objectives and setting a strategy for help that helps you achieve the goals that you've set. Then, when you flip it around and you go to the other side, where you're trying to implement it, price is one of the four P's that still matter. Product, price, place, and promotion, right? So price impacts how you package your product. It impacts the way that you distribute. And it has an influence on how you promote, right? Because price tells a story. Price is a strategic decision and it reflects the value you create, the perception of value, and how effective you are going to be or have been at understanding your market and putting yourself in a position to be successful. Now, when I first did this, presentation. It was primarily focused on sports professionals and people in marketing and sales for sports. So the statistic I used here was that 60% of tickets were being sold below face value before the pandemic. And then we still saw heavy discounts on the primary side. And through that, we would see more and more empty seats at locations all over the world. This probably will reach a more general audience and the idea of price still matters because as I'm going to go in later when we talk about discount, price has a a tremendous impact on the profitability of your business. It's not how much you make, it's how much you keep. And for every 1% in price that you are able to gain, you typically see your profits grow 10 to 12%. At the same token, Um, I learned a number from Mark Ritson, which was that for each 1% of price you lose through discounting, you lose 40% of your profit. I had a few people ask me about that number, and so I went and did some more research to back it up because, I mean, that's a huge number, 40%. So there is a great HBR case study that you can find. I think you can even get it for free on HBR if you're just registered for the regular plan, right? You don't even have to be a paid customer to find this. That showed that 1% of discounting, one so 1% loss of price, equaled 10 to 12%. So the flip of the, of the profit also lost in discounting, right? So if you gain 1%, you, you would gain 10 to 12%. If you lost 1%, you would lose 10 to 12%. Or I went back and did some research through some of the work that I've done over the years, and I found that the number fluctuated between about 20 and 25%. So the big key to understand in pricing is pricing is powerful because if you are discounting, you're losing profit. But if you are smarter and you are thoughtful in the pricing process, it has a tremendous impact on your ability to gain profitability. So today I'm going to cover 
a few things. Some key pricing concepts, right? So you have a foundation for pricing. I'm going to talk about some research methods. I'm going to talk about discounts and dynamic pricing, and I'm going to hit on a whole bunch of stuff. This is not comprehensive in any way, shape, or form because each one of these topics I'm going to hit on could deserve, can and do deserve their own entire section. But I wanted to give people a foundation with some resources and some ideas that they can use to start thinking through pricing more effectively. Because what I've found is that basically most people are making it up, right? They're pulling it out of thin air or they have a sales team who's telling them, oh my God, the only thing that matters is the price, right? Or our competitors are charging this much, so we should be able to charge this plus plus X. Or I saw this price for something on the internet or whatever. It's not built on anything. So if I'm successful today, I'll at least give you the tools so that you can go, let me think about this a little bit more thoroughly. So let me begin by talking about the basics of pricing. The key idea to me, right, which is, I find illustrations are very effective to help people is a concept called the pricing thermometer, which is again another thing that you can find on the Harvard Business Review website by guys called Dolan and Glanville. And it's a really simple thing. At the bottom, it look or it looks like a thermometer. Let me back up. It looks just like a thermometer, like one of those uh, ones that had the mercury in it, and it, you know it would start like really really blue on one end and red on the other. And at the bottom, the the bulb would be. COGS, cost of goods and services. And at the top would be the perceived value. What you need to know in the middle is the perceived, the perceived value. Those are the three big numbers that you'll look at on the pricing thermometer. And what you're trying to do is you want to push the perceived value closer to the true economic value. And you want to get your price closer to the perceived value, right? And you want to make sure that you leave a little bit of gap between the perception and the economic value because you want to create an incentive to buy, but that's a more complex thing for today. So the, I'm going to give you some definitions to start with. The first definition that you need to understand is COGS, and that's just costs of goods and services, right? So you need to understand exactly what it costs to create, to market, sell, manufacture, um, deliver on the cost of goods and services. It is a flawed metric because most of the time you can't account for all these things, but it is a good thing to keep in mind, you know, and have some sort of baseline to understand where to start with. The second definition I want to give you is cost plus pricing. I had somebody tell me on Twitter that if I could just get people to do cost plus pricing, that it would, it would improve people a tremendous amount. And cost plus pricing is just taking the COGS, the cost of the goods and services that you have, and adding a percentage on top. So if it costs you a dollar and you want to have a profit margin of 10%, you add 10% to the price. So instead, it'll be a dollar 10, right? For 25%, you add 25%. You want to double your money, it's instead of a dollar, it's two bucks. It's pretty straight ahead. Um, but like COGS, it's tough to always understand exactly how much something costs to produce, make, market, sell, and deliver, right? Because those numbers aren't necessarily always clear. And it, it reduces the uh, impact of the perceived value and the value you understand or, or the true economic value of the product or service you're delivering. 
It's better than how some people said it, but there's still room to grow. The second idea that I wanted to define for you is the true economic value, right? The true economic value is really how much of an impact a product or service has from an economic standpoint. So here it is extremely important that you think in terms of impact, outcomes, improvement, because you want to make sure that you have a really strong understanding of how people benefit from what you're marketing and selling. The next definition I want to give you is a, called value-based pricing. There is a great book that I learned about value-based pricing from called Value-Based Fees by a guy called Alan Weiss. Fantastic book. There is a third edition coming out in the late summer. I would tell you that it is totally worth it. It would be worth it if it was twice the price. So check that out. But value-based pricing is simply means that you price according to the value you create for the people you are serving. So you have to understand the perception of value. You have to understand the true economic value. And you have to understand the perception, how people view you, right? Later on, we'll get into this because this is where branding and long and short-term marketing and advertising campaigns come into play. Um, Value-based pricing, though, is the way I've run my consulting business for years. Uh, it helps you know, cut down on your labor intensity. It helps you gain and capture more of the value you create. It, is, um, it improves your perception if you've done it well. It's truly um, a great tool and something that deserves its very own study and something you need to get more in touch with. And then the final definition I want to give you is for dynamic pricing. And dynamic pricing is simply a pricing method that allows you to elevate or drop your prices according to supply and demand, market circumstances, constraints, uh, changes in perception, all kinds of different things can go into dynamic pricing. The big idea is that it allows you to change the price up and down based on market circumstances. I'm going to get into this later. Like I said, the first time I gave this presentation, it was specifically for people in, who are marketing and selling sports tickets. And so dynamic pricing is a huge topic for those people. Um, but dynamic pricing plays out in a lot of areas. You see it with airfares and hotels. Um, you see it, I've even seen it with beer in Germany, which I'll talk about later. Uh, it's amazing. I get to this bar in Germany when the aftertimes get here. Um, but dynamic pricing is really just a tool that you can use to let you change the price up or down depending on market circumstances. So the next idea to talk about is research. And I have, I think I've already mentioned here that before, pricing is both an art and a science. And one of the ways that you get better at being a marketer really is by doing research. But how do you become a better pricer is also research. And I'm a fan of research and I've become an even bigger fan of research over the last couple months because actually I learned how to do it better. Uh, honestly, that, that my ability now to talk about research, to do better research um, and to appreciate it is one of the big arguments for training of marketers that, that I have. But I'm a big fan of research now, but especially when it comes to price, because price is both art and science. And the big idea that I try to convey to people when I'm talking about doing research 
in general, but specifically around price, is that you start early and that you're always trying to go for quantitative research when it comes to price. Because if you do qualitative research on pricing, it can become easier for people to feel like they can game the system, to gain a benefit on the pricing from you. So it's important when you consider pricing that you go for big amounts of data on your price points because it's easy for to use an example from tickets. Somebody might might pay a hundred bucks for a ticket and down the first baseline uh, near right field for a baseball game. That's nothing great. Somebody else may not. They might only pay 50 bucks. And if you only ask those two people, you're going to either say, well, I want to price it at 50 bucks because that seems like the floor or I want to price it at 100 because that seems like the ceiling. Um, but there's probably a lot. And there's many, many different factors that go into what people will or will, will not pay for a product, a service, a ticket, any of these things. So you want to do qualitative, sure, because you want to understand what goes into the decision-making process. But understand that the most important factor in your pricing data is going to be how much of it you can gain. Right. So it becomes a balancing act. Have some conversations, do some ethnography, um, focus groups, things like this to understand and then monitor the data. Right. It's pretty much the same for everybody and everything. But understand that you're going to want big sums of research when it comes to pricing. Now, there's four methods that I like to think about and talk about when I do research around pricing. The first and probably really is the simplest is the Van Westendorp survey. It's called the Van Westendorp pricing survey. Uh, there's a great Forbes article about it that I will try to share with you in the show notes for this. But it just asks four questions. I mean, it's pretty simple. It's at what price would you consider the product to be so expensive that you would not consider buying it? You know, so you want to gauge to see how much is too much. At what price would you consider the product to be priced so low that you would feel the quality couldn't be very good? You know, when does it feel too cheap? At what price would you consider the product starting to get expensive so that it is not out of the question, but you would have to give some thought to buying it, right? So you're you're testing the top, right? Where is the limit? Where's your ceiling? And then at what price would you consider the product to start to be a bargain, a great buy for the money? And so you want to test the floor where, you know, and realize that those first two questions are about the constraints, you know, and that perception. And the second two kind of help you focus it down. And the way I learned about this pricing survey is like, if you do it well, you begin to see a hole in the middle of your, of, of your plot map. And that allows you to figure out where you should be setting your price. So that's the first method. The second method is complex. Right. Um, it, it doesn't ha- necessarily have to be, but it can get pretty complex. Um, it also gives you some really, really good insight, but it's experimentation. Uh, I found an interesting case study from Shopify from 2019, and it was where Shopify tested tea prices in the UK. Um, what happened was they wanted to see if there was a special version of, I believe it was Earl Grey tea, if they could create an environment where they got a price premium for it. And so and what they found was that on average the 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 price was about 5 pounds too low. You know, so experimentation. 
there's another example that Amazon kind of got in trouble for about charging prices for things like DVDs to folks in different zip codes and in different age brackets and charging them different things because people caught on to it and they got kind of pissed off about it. But again, that's a form of experimentation. But you also see this commonly when hotels sell the same room on different sites for different costs like Priceline, uh, their own website, and Hotels Tonight. So that's number two, that's experimentation. The third one is conjoint studies. And this tests the willingness to pay by offering different features and variables to people to try and figure out what really moves the needle for price. At its most simple, right, you do a conjoint study with a group of people and you start out with like your most basic thing, right? So it might be, we'll use a hotel example. It may just be the room. <laughs> and so like, you know, how much are you willing to pay for a room that's using New York City as an example, right on Times Square versus over on Ninth Avenue? Right. And how much would you pay for each? Then you might add in like the one on Ninth Avenue includes free Wi-Fi. The one in on in Times Square might add, it might charge you twenty five dollars for your Wi-Fi, you know, and then you might isolate it. Right. So you say, OK, so you're willing to pay more for um, the hotel on Broadway that costs you more, charges you more. To include Wi-Fi, you know. So then, now what else? Do you need parking? How much is parking for you? Like, what what seems valid there? Um, does free uh, breakfast move the needle or not? Right? You might test that. Then it might be like late checkout versus early checkout. Right? You can go on and on and to test why people make decisions. Again, it's going to take a lot of data. It's going to take a lot of search to figure it out, but. You just keep asking questions and testing features and variables to try to figure out what really moves the needle on price or what really helps people make decisions. So that's number three, conjoint studies. And then the fourth one is post-price perception surveys. And the key here is to keep it simple, right? One of the most valuable tools that you have in pricing is to go back and ask people about what they feel about the value that they received after the fact. Price is really about perception. So you want to ask open-ended questions if possible. You want to be timely with this, and you want to make sure that you get a representative sample of your market or the people who are attending because you want to understand if after someone's bought something from you, if they thought it was worth the money, <laughs> right? So number four is post-price perception surveys. The big key when thinking about pricing research, is just remember that you want to do quantity. You want quality, but quantity, quantity, quantity. Because again, everybody justifies and makes decisions differently. Perception is different to everyone. You kind of want to look for average. You want to see what really over the course of time moves people in a direction towards, yes, I'll buy this or no, I won't, right? Because any one person's decision it's really only reflective of them. So you need a lot of research to be able to understand what moves the majority of people in one direction or another. That's pricing research. This leads us to our next topic, which is dynamic pricing. And dynamic pricing, as I said at the start, is really about the ability to move your price up and down based on someone's willingness to pay due to changes in supply and demand, constraints, market dynamics, all these different things. Dynamic pricing is nothing new. 
it's just that as technology has progressed, we do have the ability to do it more effectively now. We can time the changes up and down more effectively based to technology and algorithms that help us make better decisions. There are pros to dynamic pricing too. It does allow the price to reflect demand and it can help you learn a lot more about behavior and what drives behavior. And maybe most importantly for a lot of people, it can help you maximize your profits. It does also push back against the willingness to underprice because the price does go up and down. I did a case study episode with Sean Kelly from Vatic on the podcast, and you can go back and search for it about some research that he did with a partner of his earlier in the year to understand how you could price effectively streaming events for arts and entertainment organizations. So Sean went in, had a hypothesis, and what he discovered was that you could almost guarantee that people would pay somewhere similar to the same price for their tickets, for a streaming performance as they would if they were sitting in person. And that was interesting to me because a lot of times people think that they can't charge the same amount for a streaming performance. And it highlights the idea that I have been talking about consistently here, which is perception. Price is ultimately about perception. So keep the idea of perception in mind. Dynamic pricing can help you match the perception and the price more effectively. But those are the, those are the good things. And it's not all good because there are some cons. There are some negatives that you have to understand too. And the big one is it can upset customers. They can feel like you are baiting and switching, that you're gouging them, that like, you know, there's something wrong, like, you know, that you don't view them as a partner or like a valued resource. It can also lead to price wars and it can impact the customer loyalty. As an example, think about surge pricing from Uber. Uh, when on New Year's Eve, you might see them charge 9.9 times more than normal. Think about the ways that you see people complain. If they paid $100 for something and they find out the person next to them paid 50 or they see a discount, really, because most of the time you don't ask the person sitting next to you what they paid for a flight or anything like that. But if you see a price slash or a price war going on, that can impact your customer loyalty. So think about all these things as you think through the negatives of dynamic pricing. The key on dynamic pricing, though, is it can be used and it can be used well. The first thing, though, is you got to understand that you can't just set it and forget it. You need both the technology to help you understand how, when and how to change your prices, but you also need a bit of humanity, right? You need the human aspect of it. It works best in industries where there are constraints or perishable industry. So travel, right? Hotels, right? If the hotel room's not full at a certain time, you've lost. If a ticket goes unsold, it's no good. If that plane takes off, that's it, right? So think about the constraints and perishability of your inventory. And you must recognize that dynamic pricing means that prices are fluid. And that all that means up and down, right? Not just one way. So keep that in mind.
The big key to keep in mind, though, is that it must fit your strategy. Dynamic reply, uh, dynamic pricing is in no way, shape, or form a replacement for demand generation. Price alone does not generate demand. And in some ways, using dynamic pricing might cannibalize some of the demand, especially if it becomes predictable. Or in the ca case in so many industries, when you do end up in a price war and it drives things down, down, down. So keep that in mind. That part of the conversation leads into the next thing, which is discounts. I'm probably, if I'm known for anything, the most famous thing is the saying that discounts are for dummies. That hasn't changed. The pandemic has not changed this in any way, shape, or form. Uh, in fact, discounts are still for dummies. They're definitely for dummies. And it really just tells me that you probably maybe haven't done as good of a job of setting a strategy as you would. I beat up on discounts and everything, but let me tell you, discounts are dangerous, right? They undermine, undermine the value of your brand. They steal profits and they train your customers to wait for a better deal. People will still come to me and they will ask me, well, when or why can I discount or how to discount effectively? And I'm going to tell you something. There's no good reason to discount. Um, a lot of people come, oh, well, I, you know, I'm negotiating uh, big, big deals. That's different. Th that's an entirely different situation because if you're selling 100,000 units for something and you have to give somebody a better price due to them buying 100,000 of them, that's just a reflection of two different con uh, constraints and a reflection of value, right? It's worth me selling it for $1 as opposed to $2 if you buy 100,000 units, right? Or a million units. That's not a discount. That's just recognizing supply and demand, um, value, right? Uh, cost certainty, all these different things. I don't consider that necessarily a discount in the traditional sense of the word. And I'm adamant on this thing because I think I've mentioned it at the very start of the presentation. The downside to discounting is so severe. If I point into the value at the start of getting the price improved, right? Increasing your price 1% will get you 10 to 12% increase in your profits. The downside is equally more severe. Now, I'm going to point to three numbers here because people thought the first one was very severe, but Mark Ritson did some research and he shared it in his uh, marketing MB, mini MBA in marketing class that said for every 1% in price that you lose to discounting, you lose about 40% of your profit. People were like, oh, that seems like too much or your profit margins are too low. But if you think about it, if you're in a small margin business and you do lose 1% of your price, you could cut out half of your profit, right? Because if your margins aren't very big to begin with and you cut back a tremendous amount of your price, you do lose a ton of money. But I went through and I found an article in Harvard Business Review where an organization studied this in manufacturing, which has a little bit bigger margins. And their research showed that for every 1% they discounted, they lost about 10 to 12% in profit. And that mirrored the 1% increase that gained you 10 to 12% in profit. And they showed both sides. They studied it from the front and the back, and it came out that they balanced. So for each 1% you gained, you got 10 to 12%. Each 1% you discounted, you lost 10 to 12%. And then I went through some of the work I've done 
over the years. And I found out that the number varied between about 20 to 25%. So depending on your industry, it'll change. That number will be different. The key concept here is to understand that discounts destroy your profits. It destroys your brand equity. It impacts customer loyalty. It screws you coming and going. So set your price. You begin by understanding the market. That's research. Be willing to experiment, right? Do your research, understand what the true economic value is, the perception of value. Play with the tools and the pieces of your product and service to increase the value, experiment. Then realize that your pricing is going to be an art and a science based on market forces, supply and demand, all of these different things. The big idea is that you set your price and you hold the line. If market circumstances, the perception of value, all of these things change, then you reprice it. But you don't get into the middle of a price war or a discounting battle because those things undermine your brand equity. They undermine the value of your product and service. They destroy that perception that you've been working so hard to create. Because the key driver of price over time is how well you maintain your price integrity. And this matters because demand isn't generated by price. It's generated by value. And pricing isn't about revenue. It's about profit. And to me, pricing is a proxy for your capabilities as a marketer. So start out by doing research that enables you to set a better price from the start. Keep in mind that price is about perception. And if the perception of you in the market isn't one of uniqueness, distinctiveness, of value, then you have to work on increasing the perception of value, not just cutting the price, because that's going to undermine the work of your marketing. People value things differently. So you have to work to recognize that folks are going to look at value differently and that you have to work really hard to continue to elevate the value that people are going to see, no matter where they're looking at it from, so that you can continue to capture more of the value. Remember, pricing is part art and part science. It may take some time to get the price right, and that's okay. Instead of discounts, think about incentives, right? You know, if you if you price too high, maybe you can add some incentives to them. There's a lot that I think of, right? Uh, you can add some sort of value like free food, free drink, uh, free access, you know, a, a free question and answer session, an audit, um, a coaching call, a uh, networking group. You know, the list goes on and on. Just look at, you know, if you've done your research, you should understand a better how people view value, what kind of things they want and need, and you should be able to find ways to add value that allow you to maintain your price integrity. If you need to, you can use time constraints, limited time offers. Um, one thing that I saw recently 
that was done pretty well was the Baltimore Orioles uh, used some tickets. And they recognize that the value of a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday game against the Tampa Bay Rays um, in the first couple weeks of the stadium being open after the pandemic didn't have as high a perceived value as other games. So instead of offering a discount of 50% off, they did a $16 ticket in certain sections for one specific series against the Devil or against the Rays. They didn't make it a free-for-all, and they kept those constraints in place. They didn't open it up to everybody and say, oh, this is just going to be for everyone. They, kept, they used constraints to reprice certain sections and to drive people towards those certain sections for certain games. So think about the constraints you might be average. And volume. If people are, are buying more, don't be afraid to kick them a deal of some kind, right? You want to encourage the type of behavior. It's not a discount. It's a vol. It's you get a better price for buying more, for doing more, for giving more, right? You get better access. You know, you get if you buy ten or more instead of ten dollars, it's nine dollars. Or if you buy ten, it's you get a free hot dog. Um, you get a free coaching session. You know, you get whatever it is. Use volume as a tool to drive behavior. Just don't get into this habit of like, oh, people are telling me it's too expensive or people aren't buying. I'm going to discount, right? Play with the value. Pricing is about value and understanding the value can drive behavior changes. Always think about ways that you can increase the perception of value first. Don't think about ways that you can cut out the price. Go value, add value first before you do anything else with pricing. Always try to increase the perception of value. And this goes for all of these other pricing methods that you might hear about too, like bundle pricing, market penetration pricing, and premium pricing, right? Always think in terms of value. Where are you setting the value standard for your business? What does the price tell your market? What does the price convey about you? How does the price impact your perception in the market? Perception, perception, perception. Value, 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 right? So let me take it home here. Pricing is marketing's MVP moment. It is one of the two or three most important decisions you're going to make, right? So do the research. Spend the time to get pricing right. Price is about perception and profit, right? It's not what you make, it's what you keep. And price is always a reflection of how valuable somebody perceives your product or service to be. And that goes without saying that pricing demands research. Start early, start often. Do some quant some qualitative stuff, absolutely, but pricing well really remind re demands quantitative research because there is a tendency when it comes to price that if you only do a little bit of it, people will game the system and they will feel like, oh, I would pay a hundred bucks, but I'm going to say I'll pay 75. So you got to do big, big, big amounts of pricing research. And know that pricing is both an art and a science, right? The art comes in managing those things like value adds or value subtracting, using constraints or getting creative with the promotions that you run to, to sell your, your products and services. The science comes in doing the research, right? 
understanding what's important and what's not, right? Experimentation, conjoint studies, things like this, you know, being able to plot the price points using survey data, right? It's an art and a science. What that means is that there's probably not one perfect price. So the thing is, is you're always going to keep having this dance. Where does my price go this time? Where does my price go now? And then finally, don't discount. Discounts destroy your profit, your customer loyalty, your brand equity, your pricing integrity, um, the perception of value in your market. Discounts are just the most destructive thing that you can do. So don't discount, right? Don't make me say discounts are for dummies, but I'll say it again. Discounts are for dummies. Discounts are for dummies. Discounts are for dummies. I just like because it, it sounds fun. But I hope this is valuable to you. I hope this sheds like some pricing 101 light on you. Um, send me your questions. I'm going to do a Q&A follow-up, you know, just because like it's such a complex topic to cover that it's hard to get everything in one section. Uh, DavidDaveWakeman.com, you know, let me know. Um, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, take it easy.